My name is Tom Chick. And I'm Jason McMaster. And I'm Rob Funk. Wait a minute. Rob Funk? Who is that? Rob, you are uh, a very special guest from the forum, but what do folks on the forum know you as more, I guess, colloquially? Um, they know me as Zarok, X-A-R-O-C. Now, uh, obviously, Rob Funk is not your real name. That is your stage name. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> how did you come upon that name in your entertainment career? Um, uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's actually from my. It's actually I'm actually named after uh, Robert E. Lee. To believe it or not. So <laughs> that's the boring part of your name, though. We're, we're more interested. Yeah, we're more interested in the part of your name that doesn't work when people are trying to think up their porn names because you yes. all have one. Exactly. It's um, you know, I I don't know how I came came across it. It sort of came to me one day, and I decided to start using it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rob Funk, I want you to tell me the truth. You are out there in uh, the place where the government runs all this like shadowy government consulting business that may or may not be involved in various conspiracies. Uh, you are a part of this, aren't you? Yes, we're, we're all about conspiracies at my company. That's uh, that's what we do. We invent conspiracies for the government. That's uh, that's my job. So that's very cool. awesome job. And to train for that job, do you like play a lot of Deus Ex? Is that part of the training? And watch X Files. <laughs> oh, 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 of course. It's just you know, it's it's required the material. You know, we have training sessions offsite. You know. Yeah, Rob and I were talking about like how he had to kill a cybernetic uh, boss the other day. Yeah. Oh, was it was it a rogue AI? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was a rogue AI. Unfortunately, I hadn't I hadn't trained uh, I hadn't trained any like lethal weapon skills, so I was totally oh. surprised when I got to it. Because um, all your points are in hacking, I believe they are. They are all in hacking. <laughs> now that's uh, not entirely a joke because you are actually in. Uh, you create databases. You would be in a movie. You would be the hacker dude, right? <laughs> yeah, I, could, I could be that hacker dude, yes. If they were hacking into a database. Of course, it would be bored silly if they actually saw these screens yes. as I was trying mm -hmm. to hack. Yeah, oh, no, no, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to have elaborate 3D representations, and the computer will talk, and it will, like, say out loud, hacking 33% complete, stuff like that, while McMaster, McMaster's the comic relief. And oh, I God. guess I guess just for lack of something better, I'm going to have to be, like, the action hero guy, so I'll be fighting oh. the bad guy. <laughs> Sounds like a great plan. Yeah. All right. We, we got it going, all three of us. We'll have to cover up that tattoo. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm afraid I, I don't know what you're talking about, McMaster. <laughs> Which reminds me, Rob, do you have any tattoos you'd like to share with the podcast? I I, I do not have any any tattoos. I was uh I resisted the temptation in college and uh, avoided getting getting any. I think I think at this point I've made made the good move, but. Now, Rob, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, so I'm going to phrase this question as if it is uh, one of those questionnaires where you color in the dot. Uh, what age range are you? 15 to 25. And Rob, just stop me when I when you would color in the dot. 25 to 35. Uh-oh. Mm. 35 to 36. <laughs> 36 to 38. Mm. 38 to 40. Oh God! Forty to forty-one, forty-one to forty-two, forty-two to forty-five. That would be it. Aha! All right, so you're the same age as me, and you resisted the temptation in college to get a tattoo. So, Rob, I am afraid 
you don't get too much credit for that because I remember being in college, getting it. There wasn't the pressure to get a tattoo that I think is applied to college kids today. So while yeah. your tattoolessness is laudable, it is not as laudable as it would be if you had colored in another one of those dots. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, you know how it is when you go to, uh, you know, was it a seminary school? Was it seminary you went to? It's it's a divinity school. It's divinity. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right, divinity school. Uh, you know, the t- <laughs> it's like that's a big tattoo crowd. You know? <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> always get like thug life and stuff tattooed on their pecs. <laughs> uh, that is a good point. <laughs> As opposed to, say, the WVU crowd, which is where I went. <laughs> yeah. I went to culinary school. Yeah, we're very tattoo-heavy. Yeah. Master, do you have tattoos? Tell us the truth right now, yes or no. Uh, no, no, I don't. Does Sarah have any tattoos? Yes. Uh, it, does it involve her her super score in Pinball FX2? Yes. <laughs> she she has every time she beats your score, she, like, marks another, yeah, another one down for some tattoo style. She uh, does it. And henna first, and then henna. <laughs> That's awesome, Sarah. Uh, one of these days, I want Sarah to come on the podcast, and if she can, I want her to tell us about her tattoos. I, not right now, and I don't want you to tell us, because that's something that, that she should share with us. Uh, yeah, no, she, uh, God, that's super score. <laughs> uh, Rob, are you a family guy out there in Annapolis, Maryland? Um, I've got, uh, I'm married, and I have uh, one uh, child who's actually graduated from from college and is out on his own. Um, Whoa. Congratulations yeah. to the child and to you for not having the child in the house any longer. It's uh, it's pretty nice. And in this, uh, this economy, I'm, I'm happy he's got a, he's got a job and he's happy and doing well. Uh, um, when did Rob graduate? Um, he graduated, uh, what, two years ago, I think oh, now. Good uh, Lord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel old. <laughs> Uh, and what kind of work, what kind of degree did your son get, and what kind of work is he doing, Rob? Um, he's got a master's in computer and systems engineering, and he works for a little company called Boeing. Mm. So. Now, Rob, don't take this the wrong way, but when we shoot the movie, can we maybe get your son for the part instead of yeah. it just 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 to appeal <laughs> to a different demographic? Uh, yeah, he he would probably he would probably make a far more attractive me. So. <laughs> and he'll kick the hell out of you in Call of Duty. Yeah, yes, yes, he will. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> uh, so you, this makes perfect sense, of course. You, Rob, being a gamer, you raised a gamer. Is that kind of how that works? Yes, I, I let him play Doom when he was like eleven, I think. Uh-huh. It might have been a little early, but he, I think he was ready for it. So, what yeah. do you recall your your son's? When when was the first time you realized, yeah, this is a son after my own heart? Like, at what age did you think, yeah, this kid is really going to get into video games? I mean, I think it was probably around that same time because we, you know, we do, we, you know, he, we, I'd show him Doom and then we'd play, you know, land, land play against one another and and so on and so forth. And it was just, I don't know. And then I, I taught him how to build his own computer. And once he started doing that, I knew he was he was in for the, uh, you know, he was in for the long haul. So was there ever a time that you that your son could beat you at Doom without you letting him win? Like, is that something that happens over time? Um, he's, he's, I mean, at this point, at this point, we're probably pretty even, um, early on. I mean, he would beat me occasionally when he got into his teens, I would say, but, um, you know, and, and maybe now, I mean, uh, we haven't really played any competitive multiplayer lately, so I don't know. He could probably kick my ass now. I'm not sure, but, uh, 
is your go ahead sorry no go ahead that's, that's fine is your son so i know that for instance sometimes on facebook uh people don't want their mothers for instance to be their friends you know it's cold <laughs> but they'll get a friend request from their mom and they'll they'll they won't accept it uh is your son willing to have you on his friends list on xbox live oh yeah he's yeah he, he has no problem with that um yeah, I mean, Facebook, I don't use Facebook that much, and I'm not sure he does either. So, I, you know, that's never been an issue. But on Xbox Live, yeah, we're, we're friends on Xbox Live. Even yeah. cooler, he's friends with me on Xbox Live. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. <laughs> well, I feel left out, jerks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're friended to me, so you could be friended to him. You know, it's just... We'll, Actually... I'll we'll, we'll click away. How, uh, I, you know what, uh, uh, I appreciate the offer, but my list is full. So there, what do you think of that? <laughs> Rob, Rob Jr., if you're listening. <laughs> uh, all right, Rob, we have invited you here today because we're just going to goof around and we want you to join us. Our format is very simple. All you need to do to qualify to be on this podcast is have a game of the week, a news story of the week, and a post of the week. Are you prepared to offer these up, Rob Zarek? Funk. I, I can come up with something, that's for sure. <laughs> I am hoping that you... Well, you know what? I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll be interested in specific to hear your game of the week because uh, we might have some crossover. We'll see. If not, I have a few questions for you when we get to my game of the week. Sounds good. All right. Uh, McMaster, why don't you run this crazy show... What oh. order are we going to take these things in, and who is going to go first each time? Well, um, you know what? Let's do news first. Mm. Mine's kind of a bummer, so maybe I should get it out of the way first. All right. Bring the room down, McMaster. All right. Dennis Ritchie has died. And yeah. you probably, some of you may not know who that is. I don't, I, I don't follow I was, sports. So I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know who Dennis Ritchie is either. And I do follow the sports. Creator of the C programming language and co-creator of Unix. Uh. And so that, well, I mean, all the games are created in C++, which is based on C. So. Oh, so you could say the founder father of modern father. Programming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, McMaster, I don't, I hope this isn't prying, but, uh, how old was he and, uh, of what did he die? He was 70 years old oh, and okay. he had been sick for quite some time. Um, and I believe he passed, yeah, he passed away in his home, uh, this last weekend. Okay. Well, it sounds like he had a, a long, fruitful life. Uh, Jason John McMaster, uh, by whom was he survived? <laughs> uh well you know i don't know right. uh, i guess uh the c programming language <laughs> c plus plus unix uh of all varieties go uh you know so jason what you're saying is you didn't get to that part of the obituary no no uh rob i don't know between you and i have a very short reading conference <laughs> one of my favorite games to play on this podcast rob and i invite you to play it with me is uh needle mcmaster until you reach the limits of his knowledge about something uh. <laughs> so in other words it's a short game oh sorry <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Do you, do you like Jason John McMaster? How we're just like setting you up? We got a little team yeah. thing going. It's like it's uh -huh. like we're playing bad cop, bad cop over here. Yes. Uh, 
Uh, okay, so McMaster, that's actually very sad news, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned it because otherwise I, I'm sure I've seen that like in my Google news feed or whatever, and I had no idea who. Uh, uh, who I've even forgotten his name. <laughs> what Richie? What was his name? Dennis Dennis Richie. Dennis Richie. Right. I would have seen that and thought he was uh, maybe like a lead guitarist for some band I didn't like. Um, all right. Yeah, so, yeah. Very sad. Dennis Richie, uh, rest in peace, and and super thanks. For, for all that you've done for us. Uh, Jason John McMaster, uh, as someone who knows nothing about programming, so games are written in C++, like whatever C++ is, is something that yes. all use? Yes, uh, most, uh, at least most games. I mean, it depends. You know, uh, Games can be written in a variety of languages, but most of like your computer games or... Um, you know, uh, console games are written in uh, C++ or a version of it. Or, I mean, you know, I guess certain games have been written in assembly, but that's not really that current. Uh, Rob, do you know what C++ is? I, I know what it is. I, I haven't really written much in C++. So I do know John Carmack is very fond of the was very fond of the assembly when he was, uh, you know, in his earlier days, you know, working on Doom and so so on and so forth. Yeah, and I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt Carmack would use some assembly, but I, I still, but I, I think he's based mostly in C plus um, plus, just because of the speed mm-hmm. that you can write something in. I mean, that's like the only big thing about it is the, the closer you get to the machine language, which wise assembly so close to machine language is, uh, you know, it's it's actually faster for the computer to translate that code than it is C plus plus. But C plus plus is faster than just about all the other languages. Right, but assembly is so close to the metal. Exactly. (laughs) I fooled you guys, and you thought I knew what I was talking about just because I repeated something I've heard before. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Jason John McMaster, how do you spell C++? With a C and then two pluses. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) All right, McMaster, now that you've brought the room down and depressed everyone, who's going next? I don't know. Um... Tom, go ahead. Why don't, why don't you go? We'll leave Rob for last. My news of the week, I didn't think I was supposed to talk about this until later this month, but everyone else is blabbing about it, so I'm like, fine. I'm going to mention it as my news of the week this week. Mass Effect 3, multiplayer support, four-player co-op uh, horde mode kind of thing that, huh. that will tie into your single-player game. Uh, it will, of course, require you to buy a, a, a new copy of Mass Effect 3. Don't be doing that that dirty, low-down, buy-and-used copies and expecting you're going to get the whole thing, because if you do that, of course, you know, EA will, will let you buy the online stuff, including this new four-player co-op mode for, I don't know, $10 or whatever. It's, it's consider very it, Yeah, consider it your a-hole tax for not buying a new game. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's the the EA way. So, uh, as as the guy on this podcast who is probably least enamored of the Mass Effect games, uh, I'm curious what you guys think of four player co op being part of Mass Effect Three. First of all, Rob, were you a Mass Effect guy? I lose track of you people. I, no, yeah, uh, okay. I, I loved the first. The first one I really really enjoyed. I mean, it had its had its warts, but I really enjoyed it. The second one I liked a lot as well. I don't, I don't like it as much as the first one. Ah. Um, but I am not. Uh, I mean, the idea of multiplayer in Mass Effect Three. I mean, I guess it's okay, but I, I'm just not. 
it's certainly not something I was really, you know, looking for. This whole thing kind of smacks of EA basically saying you've got to add multiplayer to this game, Bioware, because we own you now, and and that's that's the only reason it's getting put in. I mean, who needs, you know, some, you know, crappy horde mode uh, shoehorned into a into an RPG? I mean, I just I just don't get the point. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of with you on that. Like, it, I I, I want to see it. And I want to see how it plays, which I think you did, didn't you, Tom? I did. I've had hands-on time with it at a at a press event EA had that, uh, and and I came away actually. So so Rob, you caught you you sort of dismissed it as a crappy horde mode, and I can understand that. But having played it, I I would kind of take issue with that characterization. Uh, they had a, and I'm sorry, I'm stepping on what you're gonna what you're saying, McMaster. I'll come back to you in a second, but. Uh, uh, <sighs> Uh, But I I did play it, and I don't necessarily think it's like a crappy horde mode sort of tacked onto it. They had a whole separate team uh, in Montreal making this mode, um, and it does feel like a full-fledged way to play the game that, in one sense, is entirely separate from the single player, but they're putting some hooks in with the single player that I find intriguing. Uh, So I'm sorry, McMaster. Yes, I have played it, and I would kind of disagree with calling it necessarily a a, a crappy horde mode. How does it feel control-wise? Just like Mass Effect 2. I mean, it just the, it's you know, it, Mass Effect 2 with some refinements. Mass Effect 2, they really wanted it to play like a shooter, uh, and for the most part, it was successful. If you don't, it was mind. a little rigid, but yeah, it, it was I, rigid. The the level design was just silly space dungeons, but they yeah. had a they had a good sort of concept of this sort of uh i guess you call it paper rock scissors with the whole idea with like i guess it was i forget what they're called but like shields and armor and there are ways you could subvert shields that wouldn't work with armor and vice versa and then there was the cover system and there were powers to lift people out of the cover so they had a good they had a good handle on uh you know these sort of trumps that you have in a shooter to give it a strategic feel uh, and even though it didn't really work for me, I liked the basic design of what they were doing. They seem to be refining it further in Mass Effect 3, specifically in this horde mode as a, as a cooperative multiplayer experience. So, uh, yeah, I got to play it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Even though I agree with what Rob is saying about this totally smacks of EA passing down a mandate, you know, we need multiplayer support. We need some online persistence. We need to appeal to, you know, the people... Uh, who are playing Call of Duty? Do it, make it happen. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, it sounds like it sounds like it's it's better than what I expect, which is 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 nice to hear. I mean, that's that's good to, good to hear that because obviously I haven't played it. So, you know, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was I was actually thinking about this earlier and I was kind of writing something about it and uh, I'm lazy, so I will bring it up as. Uh, conversation piece and then steal your ideas so keep that in mind um but uh sometimes uh well a lot of times nowadays multiplayer feels tacked on mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of shoehorned you know onto just about everything um however uh i don't think there's i mean there's a lot of co-op which is my favorite and it's coming around and we're seeing a lot more of it but you know what what games do you think could have uh, I don't know, benefited from co-op? Mm, that's a good question. Mm. I mean, in a way, my my immediate knee-jerk response to that, Jason John McMaster, is every game. Like, if you take the basic tenets of a game's design, I'm convinced there is some cool way to work it into an online multiplayer experience. I could right. be wrong, uh, but that's my initial response, is to just 
jerk my knee out there and say every game. Uh, sure. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking, you know, and I know there's like technical issues with a lot of these. And I know that's, you know, sometimes that's why co-op isn't done. Uh, but just barring technical issues, you know, it's something like I would love to see like a multiplayer, you know, Bethesda game. Like, I, well, I, let me suggest a, a little game called Rage. <laughs> gotcha. God, you and the damn rage. I swear to God. Um, but uh, no, I mean a Bethesda proper game, not, sure. a, yep. not a Vivendi uh, game. Um, but um, yeah, no, the uh, something like I, well, I'm, I would say uh, Morrowind. Well, I, I think we can all agree. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've all played this. Uh, one of uh, a game that I think we all adored. Rob, I might. I'm assuming you played this, Rob. We all adored, and while we were playing, there must have been literally a hundred times where we thought this would be so awesome multiplayer with somebody at my side. Uh, Just Cause Two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. What a great game. Yeah. Uh, I will say. Uh, can I say? Yeah, I can say this. So I can't talk about it. It's under embargo until next week. But um, uh, THQ had a press event uh, just yesterday where they had some of us come out to a venue they set up, 10 a.m. in the morning, and they set us up in front of copies of Saints Row 3, and they just let us go until 4 o'clock that evening. There was a, a very brief presentation beforehand, but it was none of the dog and pony show. It was just, hey, sit down and play. There were maybe 30, 40 of us in the room. Uh, and at any time, you could set up your your game on System Link or join somebody else's game or invite someone to join you. So it was seamless two-player co-op. And Saints Row 2 did this fairly well. And again, in Saints Row 3, it's just so... It's, it's such a delight to just be playing your game and at any time have a friend come in and, and join you while you're playing it. Uh, and yeah, Just Cause 2 so would have benefited from that. Um, oh yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, any game really, but it, it's just, uh, I'd love to see more multiplayer like <laughs> RPGs. Yeah, yeah you, that would be great. You, you can booger it up though, and I'm thinking of Dead Rising 2. Where, boy, did it feel tacked on. I mean, I'm sure it was technically difficult, and I actually uh, accidentally went to a yeah, talk at GDC uh, once about co-op multiplayer uh, uh, Dead Rising 2 and sat in on some guy talking about, like, networking algorithms for an hour. Uh, so they got the technical stuff right, but they didn't really figure out any way to fold it into the actual gameplay. Well, right. Like, standard Dead Rising 2's co-op was, like, not any fun and i didn't get to try off the records co-op because you know i have a i have a debug copy um, did, did they change it at all is there any provision for because one of the weird things is you just it's have supposedly improved okay okay good it can't be worse <laughs> no no it no was doubt. like yeah it was one of those that oh, yeah i mean dead rising 2 off the record is definitely a good time though i'll tell you it's, it's really and and something too that dead rising 2 does uh, and actually Dead Island did the same thing, um, is when you're playing co-op, you're basically developing your character yeah. that you're also using in single player. And I think they have that idea for Mass Effect 3, uh, in, in a way, is that while you're playing the multiplayer, you are in a way also developing your single player game, your single player progress. Uh, and that, that's I don't tricky, think though. it's very tricky. You're, yeah. Like, what are some of the pitfalls of that, Rob? Why do you say that's tricky? Well, I mean, in a game like Dead Rising, I mean, you're, it's, it's designed to be played over and over and over again, where, you know, you right. die and then you go back and you play it some more. And, and, uh, oh, and for what it's worth, my wife and I actually finished Dead Rising 2 co-op 
um, wow, together. Geez. So it was, uh, that was, that was really rough. That was, uh, I mean, we got it to work, but it was just, you know, it was, it was nice that it followed the story. You could, you know, follow all the story elements, but, um, but the way just the technical issues you'd run into trying to get the game to, to match up was just no fun whatsoever. Um, but, but anyway, back to why it's tricky in a game like mass effect. I mean, I would imagine that they have, you know, you have to have a certain kind of progression so that you're at a certain level when you reach a certain area. So, you know, it's somewhat of a challenge if you're buffing your character up offline or, you know, or online, I guess on multiplayer, then it's going to throw the, the whole right. thing out of whack. Um, you know, but just just to say real quick, Rob, that's not exactly how they're doing it. Like I, I guess I was a little misleading to compare it to Dead Rising and uh, Dead Island. Uh, it's like you're not leveling Commander Shepard. You are leveling a separate team that you will later f- be able to fold into the single player uh, in in Mass Effect Three. Um, huh. But I, I agree. And it normally, like in an RPG, and we talk about Dead Island, Dead Rising, when we when we wish for this to work in a Bethesda game, we're thinking, you know, how can my character go level up doing multiplayer and then go back into his single player game? And yeah, that is tricky. Is how do you adjust a single player campaign to a character who might leave and then suddenly come back, be in well, the same place, and be ten levels higher? Yeah. I mean, it's funny you mention that because like Dead Rising Two totally had a problem with that, in my opinion. Um, and terror is reality. Mm-hmm. You could go on, and if you won like a few rounds of terror, which is reality, you had several hundred thousand dollars. I mean, we're talking about like a few minutes worth of playing, you know? <laughs> and that's enough to buy all the zombrex and all the crazy crap you want in that game, basically. So it just completely. Yep. I I didn't even search for zombrex. Somebody be like, oh, I think there's one over in the store, and I'd be like, bitch, I got fifty thousand dollars that says there's one right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it'd be like if I ran into trouble, I'd just be like, ah, Daddy's gonna go like run over some zombies with his motorcycle. I'll be right back, baby, and I'd go get her some Zombrex. So it's just ridiculous. One of the things, though, where I want to defend Dead Rising Two on that that front is that the Zombrex was always kind of an optional thing, anyway. You know, if you want to right. save Katie, you can. You don't have to. You can abandon Katie. So my feeling is that if you want to subvert. That whole single player, uh, you have to break into here to get a precious piece of Zombrex, to get a precious dose of it. Uh, in single player, you've got to struggle with that. But if you want to sidestep that by instead going to multiplayer and just playing some terrorist reality, it fits, I think, in the game design. It fits in the fiction of the game in a way. You, you know, Chuck, yeah. Chuck Green, can uh, he's a motorcycle star. He can go do those little competitive things and make money for Zombrex. So I, I get what you're saying, Jason, but uh, I kind of disagree that it, it hurts the game. You're absolutely right there. And what's funny, though, is that in Off the Record, they make it a necessary part of the game. Mm. <laughs> because Frank's the one that needs the Zombrex. Oh, no. Frank <laughs> is infected? Oh. Oh, I know. He's covered wars. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Frank. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that, actually. But it's just been re- it's released right in the middle of, like, everything. Oh, so I know. I, it's... I just... <laughs> You know, I'll yep. say the greatest thing about it is uh, is the uh, just the free roam without losing health and, you know, doing all the challenges and everything. It's just fun. I just like wandering around and, you know, it's like, oh, look, a challenge to kill 100 zombies in 30 seconds or something, you know. Uh, what are what are some games that you guys think, and I'm thinking of one specifically, really could not work with like an in-game co-op? 
I actually there are plenty of them, but I just want to when uh, Rob, when you mentioned all the great games coming out uh, next week is of course Batman Arkham City, and uh, I, I'm not sure I want like Jason John McMaster playing Robin next to me while I'm in Arkham City <laughs> for for many reasons. <laughs> yeah, nothing personal against but... you, Jason John McMaster. I'm happy to have you. Oh, well, somewhat. <laughs> I just don't want Robin tagging along beside me while I'm saving Arkham City. I'm sorry. I want no part of that guy. I really want to play that game, but, yeah, I'm not that interested in Robin. <laughs> All right. Now, Jason John McMaster, you are more than welcome to carry the ammo for me on a Vulcan gun when, I am, done, yeah, yeah. when I'm playing Gears. Uh, if we are in uh, Red Orchestra, I want you in the tank next to me loading the gun, you know, but I don't need a Robin along with me in Arkham oh, City. Man. Sorry. You know what we're going to have to do? We'll have to play Steel Battalion. That oh, game's man. dead. What are you talking about? Oh, no, the, 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 the Kinect one. one. The yeah. One terrible. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, I mean, there's so many things wrong with there's so many things wrong with the Kinect Steel Battalion. I mean, one, it's Kinect. I mean, I, and I, I don't mind Kinect so much, but, but I mean, you know, the whole World War II atmosphere just kind of kills it for me. I mean, just that in and of itself is just sort of like... That is kind of weird storming. that it's all of a sudden, yeah, World War II game. Or yeah, I'm yeah. storming another beach? I mean, really? I mean, come on. <laughs> Can't you come up with something else? I mean, you know, the, the first game was so cool, and, and you know, the first two games were so cool. Um, I just don't know why. Why? I mean, you know, I have less problem with it being Kinect than with it being a World War II-themed game. That's, that's my real issue with it. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder how the Kinect will work. You know, I, it's a really cool sensor, and it does all sorts of, like, cool stuff, but I, I don't know. Rob, I want you to hold that thought because we're going to come back to that in a second. I have some Connect-specific questions for you, but hold that thought. We'll, we'll get mm-hmm. there in a second. Uh, so th- that's my news of the week. Uh, I That leaves, Rob, to, that leaves us to you to give us your news of the week before we move on to posts and games of the week. But what do you got for us? Okay, I guess I guess my news of the week is probably the iOS 5 update, um, which basically you know crushed Apple servers yesterday, and they had to download from a separate server. Uh, separate. It's server. all because Jobs died. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, and it's just kind of you know, and that's just that's the big news of the week for me. I know it's not gaming. I know it's not technically gaming related, but you know, do a lot of gaming on the iPad, so um, I was interested interested to see what they sort of came up with with. Some of the new features they were adding, you know, split split screen keyboard and various things like that. Um, so, in, you know, in with like things like you know, uh, King of Dragon Pass and and you know, mm. Civ Rev and and I mean, there's so many fans. I mean, what's funny is is I, now I say game on the iPad. It's like I actually just buy games on the iPad. I don't, I don't really like actually play, don't really actually play many games on the iPad. You collect it's, them. It's like collectibles. It's like it's like your own Pokemon. Exactly. It's 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 sort of like, you know, people, you know, in the bargain thread with, you know, Steam games, it's sort of like, yeah, I should just, you know, $3, sure, why not? I'll never play that, but, you yeah. know, it's something else to add to my Steam collection. But that's how I am with the iPad. But the beautiful thing is, is, since the games are so cheap that I've probably, you know, bought maybe $60 of the games since I, I got the thing, and I've got, you know, 15, 20, 30 games. So it's like, it's you know, the cost of one regular, you know, console release. Mm-hmm. So... Now, uh, uh, this iOS 5 update, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I have turned in my Ascension turns. That's the game I mostly play on, on my uh, iPhone. Uh, is this something that is, is interfering with people's ability to like take their turn in Ascension and play Angry Birds and whatnot? 
I, I do not believe so. Um, okay. I mean, this is really just Apple's servers themselves in terms of, you know, downloading the, the update from their servers. I mean, people were you know, hammering on it all yesterday, and, and uh, I think I just I, I waited and downloaded it last night, and, and by the time I woke up this morning, it was done. So, so I have a dumb question. What will iOS 5 do for me? What's it going to do for you? Well, I mean, it depends on what you use your device for, but, um, you know, it, it, it's got a much far better notification system. So instead of, you know, those push notifications you get that sort of pop up into the ugly blue boxes that sit there and you can't do anything until you get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Well, they've kind of replaced that with, you know, these little banner pop-ups at the top. And, and so, so if you're sitting there doing something else and somebody sends you an email or, or something else that where, you know, where it might give you a push notification, it's going to pop up at the top. So you can sort of notice that it's happening, but you know, it's not, it's not like it takes over control of the, you know, of the device from you, which is, which is really nice. So, um, it's, so it's no longer like a, a, a petulant six year old child who won't leave you alone until you pay attention to him. Exactly. So that, that will be very nice. Um, so that, so that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much the big thing it's going to do for you. Um, you know, if you're in the middle of a game, it's not going to interrupt, you know, it won't interrupt you. It'll sort of let you know, you know, sort of like, you know, Xbox Live will let you know. Something's going on, but it's not going to stop you from playing. Right. Okay, good. Uh, iOS 5 update. Uh, we lost a founder, gained a new operating system. Mm. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Jason John McMaster, what topic are we going to tackle next? Well, let's hit Forum Post. All right, Forum Post. I'll go first. Yes. I don't have one. All so right. Jason John McMaster, who is going next? Uh, Rob, you go ahead and go. I'll just, I'll, I'll double slam you. That sounded horrible. <laughs> is that even yep. legal? Is it even legal in Ohio? I'm not sure. <laughs> I know it's legal in Maryland. We've tried it, but I mean, that's. <laughs> so my, my forum post of the week is, uh, one of my favorite, uh, threads on the entire board, and that's the, the bargain thread. Um, that is my, that is by far, what's funny is I don't really, I get a few bargains here and there, but I just love reading through the bargain thread. It's just, it's, it's just fascinating what, what comes up and the little side, side discussions that spawn off about this game was good or this game was bad and just, you know, it's, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot, of, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. And so what's, what's going on there right now? What are, what are the latest bargains? What are the latest side discussions? Um, I was going to take a look at it to let you know, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna Sorry, we are gonna... we are coming to you live, reporting from the bargain thread on quarter um, to three with our correspondent Rob Funk. <laughs> Rob, over to you. Yes, thank thank you, Tom. Thank you for buying me some time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this just so, in: breaking news from the bargain thread. We now go to correspondent Rob Funk. <laughs> Thanks again, Tom. Uh, here in the here in the bargain bargain thread, they're talking about the the one two three four five meme or meme. How do you however you pronounce that? I'm not oh, sure. Please. Don't say meme and don't say meme. It's meme. <laughs> meme. Okay. I've heard yes. meme before. Uh, there was some poor developer, actually a Section Eight developer. I'm sorry to, to interject real quickly from your your live report, Rob. But there was they had a Section Eight developer on uh, a podcast for Game Shark, and the guy through the entire podcast was talking about internet memes, and oh. and none of the guys corrected him because I know they were all probably sitting there thinking. Does he actually know how to pronounce it, and we don't? <laughs> but uh, so it, it's meme, I believe. 
Uh, go with the, go with that. So sorry. So what is the one, two, three, four, five meme? I don't even know that meme. Well, it's, it's not, it's, I mean, what the thing is, it's not actually a meme. It's just that the forum software requires you put in five characters. So when somebody, wants to just, when somebody just wants to quote something and they don't have anything else to say, they have to put in one, two, three, four, five. It's like and writing no, three, four, five. Exactly. You know, I had to write in yes, yes, four, five today, you know, for something. So it's just, you know, that, so they're talking about, they're talking about that. They're talking about whether, you know, $5 for Duke Nukem forever is worth it. And, and people are, people keep saying, you know, oh yeah, I need to buy it because it's, uh, you know, find out how terrible it is. It's like, and do, it's like, do you really? It's like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't play it. I don't really have any desire to play it. I mean, I love the first one, but, um, you know, do you, you know, do you really need to, waste five dollars you know to, to find out how terrible it was i mean just play the demo uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean honestly the demo is longer than you should play the game honestly just play the demo play the demo or and also play, even play a good game <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. what rob is saying why play the demo i sort of feel like okay here's here's a, a comparison well no i like, agree i don't want anybody to play this freaking game you right know, but I, if you must oh. play it if you are compelled by whatever right. sick fascination you have with bad games to play and and i don't even think duke nukem is necessarily like like bad like it works and you can shoot stuff but it's just completely uninspired jason john mcmaster we've talked about this there's no reason to necessarily go into it but there's really if you want to play a really really fascinatingly bad game there are far better choices than duke nukem forever uh it's just like a flat dull uninspired forgettable game. right that, i mean that's the thing about it is that like when i was playing it it wasn't that i was like oh god it was that i just was thinking i wish i was playing this because there's literally everything else i have to play is more fun and and i as someone who watches a lot of bad movies like i take i love watching bad movies because i can almost like put them on i put them on on a laptop or whatever and almost have it going as background noise like talk radio or something Uh, a game doesn't afford you that same luxury like you have to pay attention to a game you were you are plugged into the game and you are playing it uh, and it, it's taking up time in a way that, like, watching a bad movie necessarily doesn't. A game is more like reading a book in that regard, in that you can't really multitask. It can't just happen in the background while you're doing something else, and you can occasionally uh, witness it. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't recommend anyone necessarily spending time with with that. Uh-huh. No, I mean it's it's absolutely terrible. They they front loaded it too. I mean, like the first yeah. part of that game is is much more entertaining than the rest of that game, and the, fr- the first part's not great. You know? like, and you can definitely get the sense of them running out of steam as they go. Like, uh, let's oh, just yeah. let's just throw in a couple of things here, and we'll patch in some graphics there. And okay, oh, it, it's it's just a you know like stupid formulaic crap. So. So, uh, Rob, what else is going on in? Uh, so, is that the consensus, or is there a consensus in the bargain thread? Well, I mean, there's a there's just a, there's a number of comments about you know don't don't waste your money you know why you know what's the point um, you know there's also you know there's discussions over Titan Quest and whether it's worth five dollars and yes. I would certainly I would certainly say yes I mean uh, great I mean, game man the that's, expansion's that's, awesome too and that, that's for both of them I mean you know why why wouldn't you do oh, that if, oh, yeah if you haven't played them before that is I mean obviously but um, but it's just uh, I mean, that was, that was a fantastic Diablo like I, I really enjoyed that game. So, um, but there's, you know, a whole sidebar of like a page of people talking about Titan Quest and whether it's worth it and some people saying no and some people saying yes. And I don't know why people are saying no, but, um, 
I can give you I can let me give you a theory. Here's why I might say no. As as someone who really, really likes Titan Quest, if someone were to come to me and say, Tom Chick, what's an action RPG I should play? Should I get Titan's Quest for two dollars and the expansion or, or whatever? Uh the reason I might say no is because I think I might, depending on who it is, I might recommend something like Sacred Two or I'm going to forget the name. Uh, uh, Soldak is the name of the company. Stephen Peeler is the developer. He gives his games awful names. Uh, uh, Din's Curse. (laughs) Wait, is that the one? Yeah, that's the one with the. So I might say no to Titan Quest and instead say, take your money and play Din's Curse instead. Titan Quest, good game, but I recommend a different kind of experience for you. I might do that. I say I don't know if I'd recommend Sacred Two for. Well, it depends on how how knowledgeable they were about about games and how willing they were to do research. Well, um, I will say that Sacred Two is like really cool in that you can do a ton of stuff in it, but yeah, it's not a particularly friendly game in a lot of ways. Right, and that's right. why it would depend on who I was talking to. And Sacred Two has this really uh, just just nitty gritty nuts and bolts, lots of detailed like German character development system. Uh, oh. Right, that, yeah. You know, if you, if you really like messing around with character builds, there's a lot of meat in in Sacred Two. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. It's just it's just some of the some of the um, mechanics in that game of of you know you want to leave certain things at like level one, or you know you'll never be able to cast them again. You know the the reload cast time on them will you know right. be five minutes if you increase them, whereas in a normal RPG you want to increase the skills you're using. Um, so it was, it, that was the kind of, I mean, I got it. I figured it out. I did tons of research to figure out what kind of character I was going to play and, and, you know, enjoy, and enjoyed it. But, you know, depending on who it is, if you hand it to them and they don't actually do that legwork, then, you know, they're going to be, you know, five levels into the game and wondering why they can't do anything. Right. Right. Uh, so, but otherwise, yeah, for those people, yeah, Titan Quest, go for it. Uh, all right, so uh, Rob, thanks for that live report from the bargain thread. Uh, the thing about the bargain thread and the reason we need live on the scene reports, those move so quickly. Like I, I, I recently was told that Metro 2033, a very good shooter, was something like 70% off at Steam. So you could yeah. get it for you know five bucks or whatever. I don't know if that's still the case anymore. Uh, but uh, you know, you hear things like that, and you're like, yes, awesome news. And if you put it off. Uh, you're gonna miss it because you know a day later it's gone. Uh, yeah, they they prey on people with that. You know that's how that's how Steam makes their money. It's like they're like, here, here's this deal for five minutes. If you don't bite on it now, <laughs> you, you'll never get it again until, of course, the next Steam sale. Right. So. Very sneaky. Uh, Rob, uh, m- maybe next we can have you uh, come to us live from Steam. <laughs> All right, Jason. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So you don't actually want me to come to you live from Steam, is that correct? No. Uh, you know what? Maybe if we need a Steam correspondent, you you have that correspondent's voice. I think you. That could... would be pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason John McMaster, what is your forum post of the week? My forum post of the week is the first post in a thread entitled Ten Years of Dark Age of Camelot," and the thread was started by Athrin. Mm. And the reason I enjoyed this post was uh, Athrin links to a post uh, on Broken Toys, which I believe is Lum's site, isn't it, Rob? I believe so. Um, via Matt Furrer, who was, the, I believe, the producer of uh, Dark Age of Camelot. 
Um, or no, he was the uh, yeah, I believe he's the producer. Um, he also he, uh, uh, played Max Headroom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did you just, it sounded to me like you said Matt Frewer. I don't know what you just said, but Matt, whatever. Uh, Fairer, I believe, F I R O R. Okay, well that joke doesn't work if you do it that way. So never mind. Well, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've derailed your ten years of Dark Age of Camelot um, by Athrin. But it's uh it's just like a really cool uh, story that uh, she linked to, just talking about the uh, different, you know, the trials and tribulations they had on the first couple of weeks of the launch of uh, Dark Age of Camelot, and how they they managed to get um, internet to their other building from the main building by. Uh, uh, hooking up like two uh, IR sensors or whatever to shoot rays back and forth, um, and uh, they were afraid that like a uh, too large of a vehicle was going to park in one of the parking spots and cut off the <laughs> link. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's two IR guns that were linked between the two spaces, uh, and uh, about just uh, you know the different sales figures and how they. They were really surprised at how much, you know, it, or, well, how it was like their first real game they'd made and they sold really well and how they were kind of surprised and all that. So it's, it's a really interesting story. Now, Atherin was, if I believe, she was one of the early uh, a kind of a community manager or something or like a, one of those online dungeon masters. What do you call them? Game managers or whatever. Uh, she she worked with the project early on, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Jason John McMaster? I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ten years is hard to believe, too. Yeah, I know, right? I I remember that I was in uh, the original EverQuest, uh, one of the early betas for that, and just thinking that was that was a really long time ago now. Uh, Dark Age of Camelot is still going, is that right? Correct. Yes. Is it free to play yet? I do not think so, but I'm not sure. It's I haven't got- heard an announcement uh, from them. I believe they did Warhammer free to play, didn't they? Yes, I think Warhammer, it's EA, of course, has jumped onto that particular bandwagon. Uh, right. who, who is it like a self-published deal, or who's even managing Dark Age of Camelot these days? Well, I mean, I think it's still owned by Mythic, wasn't it? So uh, I would think it would have come to EA. But uh, Oh, so Mythic is EA. That's right. Good point. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what level are you in Dark Age of Camelot? Um, last I... Last I checked i mean a long time ago it was whatever the the top level is 50 i had a 50, oh, had a couple level 50 characters and that whoa came. oh i was expecting to catch oh, you you got burned <laughs> you just did no, I, don't know if, I don't know if you play dark souls rob but there's an enemy that uh that teaches you not to attack it blindly because it will do a move called a riposte against you uh oh, nice you just did one of those to me <laughs> yeah, the, I don't know uh, if I've run across that thing across that yet in Dark Souls. Yeah. It's it's a little thief character, and uh, you know, there's a character that teaches you to block early on these knights, and then there are these thieves where if you just attack them, they'll like kill you because they'll do one of these crazy repost moves. You can also, oh yeah, those guys, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So Rob, that's that's the role you're playing just now. I hate those guys. Um, Don't yeah, no, according to the Dark Age of Camelot website, mm-hmm. uh, it is EA Bioware. My cat agrees. Yes. Shadowcat uh, says we have an accord. <laughs> uh, so you actually played it to the, the level. So did you do a lot of Realm versus Realm stuff, Rob? Like, were you part of that whole deal? 
Oh yeah, yeah, I, I did, I did a, a quite a bit of that. I mean, it was just, it was, it was chaotic, it was laggy, it was, uh, but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Just, to, it was just, it was for the experience more than anything because you know you, it was, you just didn't see this kind of pitched battle, battle yeah. between large groups of of people in, in games like this before. So, um, I mean, uh, you know, was it, was it well balanced? Was it, you know, designed well? I mean, pretty well, but I mean, you know, there, there were definitely issues. Um, but, but it was, yeah. it, it was a good game. I played it for, I don't know, about a year and a half, two and a half years, something like that. I can't remember. And they really did blaze a trail there as far as having just those large scale battles with lots of characters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the game that came after that that I played a lot of was Shadow. What was the last part of that? It was a Shadow something. I I never can remember the name of that game. Dark Dark Realm of Shadows. No. (laughs) Shadow World. Uh, It was Shadow... Shadow Bane. Shadow Bane. It might have been Shadow Bane. (laughs) Shadow Cat. (laughs) Yeah, me and Shadow Shadow Cat, we had a good time. I think it was Shadow Bane, actually. Uh, Yeah, it was Shadow Bane. Yeah. And I, I think most recently, the thing I've most recently enjoyed it in, uh, and it's free all weekend, uh, is Rift. Like, yeah. Rift just uses that, that whole, like, just swarms of people doing the same thing together. It tends to be more cooperative in, in Rift. Uh, they just do that whole kind of thing that they pioneered in Dark Age of Camelot and that you can see them also doing in the Warhammer game. Uh, I just think that works so well in Rift as well. Yeah, know. absolutely. It's a... Uh... It's actually kind of a shame the Warhammer game kind of got boring as fast as it did. I really liked the PvP in it for what it was worth. But it's free to play, so everyone can jump into uh, the Warhammer online game, try it themselves. Oh, yeah. So, all right, 10 years of Dark Age of Camelot. Hard to believe an MMO actually makes it to 10 years. Uh, EverQuest did, too, actually. It's still going. Yeah, but that's EverQuest. That, that'll, that's one of those <laughs> things that will never die. Like, EverQuest is like a shambling zombie of MMOs. It really is. I'm telling you, I, I introduced a person to EverQuest one time. We, you know, we begged this guy to come play EverQuest with us. And by the time we were done playing, I mean, you know, done with the game, he had four computers and was like wow. running his own parties and like spending money on virtual, you know, on buying characters before people did this really. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty scary. I had to, uh, do a, uh, do you also sell crack to school children? <laughs> well, here's the thing. If I had had any idea that the, it was going to have this kind of effect on him, I never ever would have asked him to, to, uh, to, you know, join us. Um, Rob, I also, you might want to try, uh, uh, setting up a mobile beer truck and driving around <laughs> to AA meetings. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get right on that. No, it's uh, it's funny because that you mentioned that is I, I worked for, I've worked for a bunch of ISPs, um, and one of them uh, after I left, one of our uh, clients at the time uh, hired me, and uh, he did uh, tech work for a bunch of clients. So I, I would go around and you know do whatever tech work he needed done. Uh, so this this one client of his, this guy, he had to be in his sixties, um, and all the tech work involved making sure that his like six EverQuest computers <laughs> were up and running and networked properly, and that his seventh computer, the Linux server that ran item tra- like tracking software that was like hacksawing basically, <laughs> it was working correctly, and just like all this crazy crap. It was like this like relatively wealthy, I guess, retiree, and that's like all he did. 
You know that as a, as a guy who's well on his way to getting to be that age, and I'm sure you, you're with me on this, Rob. It warms my heart to hear about people like that. <laughs> that's, that's where I hope I am when I'm 60. You're an uh, MMO addict with seven computers that work together. Not necessarily oh, he's, MMO. He's already that. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, already, he's already got the computer part down, but he's not, he's not hooked on an MMO like it. Just like described crap. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't want to. When I'm that age, I don't want to be doing something like fishing or playing golf for Pete's sake. I mean, that's <laughs> no part of those kind of things. No, yeah, the, uh, yeah, you'll, you can get to your Lord of the Rings online obsession. You can have uh, finally, finally at long last. Dwarves. <laughs> all seven of the dwarves represented. <laughs> can you name all seven of the dwarves, Jason John McMaster? Go. Uh, okay, dopey, sleepy, uh, sneezy, grabby, stabby, shitty, and Doc. <laughs> Very good. Everybody normally forgets Doc, but well done. Well done, McMaster. <laughs> All right, McMaster, where are we going next? Those are our forum posts of the week. What is left for us to discuss this week? We have games. Mmm, mmm. Games of the week. Who's going first, Jason John McMaster? Oh, well, I know what Rob's going to talk about, so I'm considering where it would fit best. Mmm. Uh, let's go ahead and do his because I think his is probably going to be the <laughs> alien to you and I. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. All right, all right, Rob. What? What's okay, your game? Let me just ask a few ground rules on this. I mean, does it have your game of the week? Does it have to be a game that was released this week, or can it just oh. be any game you're playing this week? Uh, no, nah, dude. We've had board games. We've had all sorts of stuff. So yeah, just whatever. Okay, well, my my game of my game of every week pretty much is the NHL series by EA. Um, this the current version being NHL 12, and I know how much Tom just loves sports and sports games. So, um, and that's just uh, and so anyway. So that's that's my game of the week. coming from? I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, you're just go no ahead, idea. Rob. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, um, NHL 12. I've been playing since. I mean, I've been playing since forever. I mean, like the the, the entire series. But uh, playing this year with a bunch of my friends that I've been playing with for a few years, and uh, and this this version of it's actually really really good. I mean, they've they've managed to to fix most of the multiplayer issues, and it's it's uh, uh, and we really enjoy playing it now. As just sort of a, a brief history of NHL, just to sort of give Tom a, a feel for why this is such an important game. Well, really, 09 was the important game, but before NHL 09, you could not play um, more than maybe two versus two online. So imagine if you if you were limited in for a first-person shooter, for example, to only playing against two other people with one other person on your on your side, and just think about how much how bad that would suck. Um, <laughs> that does when, suck. When and when '09 came around, they basically gave you sort of the ability to play, you know, full team versus full team, which is six versus six, and they gave you the ability. They gave you sort of these RPG leveling, uh, you know, ability. Mm. So the more games you played, the more points you could get and put into different things on your character. So you can end up with different builds and different, you know, setups and. And so on and so forth. And, you know, and if, if one of your friends is, you know, so like in your MMO, if you've got, you know, one person playing a cleric, the other person would play a fighter and you'd work mm. well together. Well, you know, in, in NHL, one person plays a playmaker, another person plays a sniper, but you can also have an MMO and, uh, they work sure. really well together. So, um, 
So anyway, aren't, so aren't a lot of these guys, though, so you got six versus six. You have 12 people playing right. NHL 12. Uh, right. uh, nice symmetry there, by the way. Uh, only one of them has the disc at a time. How can that be fun? Well, because because you can't because if if you're playing against good players, you can't hang on to it for a, a very long time. You've ah. got to pass it to somebody else, um, and then you know you've got people who are there to try to take it away. You you know you've got defenders who are trying to take it away from you. You've got your you know your friends trying to get open on offense. Uh, you've got your goaltender trying to you know keep the puck out of the net, as it were. And the and the game is very fast. It's very fast paced. So I mean things move pretty quickly. Um, the, now, the game I would see that sort of being an issue with, with is FIFA has the same kind of a mode, but soccer is oh, yes. on 11. And, I mean, I, I could foresee, you know, games where you never, ever touch the ball in soccer because, mm. you know, soccer moves incredibly slowly. And um, it's 11 freaking players. And 11, I've, I've reviewed a uh, bunch of FIFA games, and, like, I like FIFA, but, yeah, I would not want to play just one individual FIFA player. Yeah, because I mean, you know, if you're with on a hockey team, you're gonna on a hockey team, you're gonna, you know, touch the puck. You're gonna be defending somebody. I mean, it's gonna happen just because of the way the game's set up. But, but in soccer, it's a little, uh, it's a little different. So, yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't be very fun in football either, though. It would be awesome if Madden started offering eleven on eleven. <laughs> Well, yeah, I can imagine people would really want to be linemen and blocks and do all the fun stuff. I mean, they, oh, actually yeah. have a team, they actually do have a team mode in Madden that I, we tried to play, but it's like since, I don't know, since one person only has the the ball at, at a time and on a particular play, I mean, you know, the ball may never go anywhere near you um, on, you know, sign, you know, on a significant number of plays. It, it's just, it doesn't really work. It really works they best with, with, hockey and bas- with uh, hockey and basketball, I would say. They could make it, like, more interactive that, like, in football, if the ball didn't come to you, you could, like, I don't know, hit a button to clap after the play and then maybe, like, hit a button to, like, do a little juke step, like another button to slap a dude on the ass and say good hustle, you know? I mean, I think that would be a great addition to the next Madden. Madden 13. Listen to me, EA Sports. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're they're probably doing that right now along with – They probably are. <laughs> the fidelity of the grass, and, and I wish I were right. doing that. No, that's it's kind of ridiculous. Some of the updates. So, Jason John McMaster, what you just described sounds to me like Lost Planet Two with all of the emotes. Oh yeah, <laughs> it does. Uh, so, uh, so Rob Funk, NHL, tw- wait, twelve, eleven? We're on twelve, right? Twelve. Yeah. So, uh, so they finally make it where lots of people can play at once. Uh, what else makes NHL twelve good? Um, I think it's just, you know, sort of the, the teamwork, working with your teammates. I mean, it's sort of working as part of a team, and, and, you know, it's like when you pull off a play where, you know, say the defenseman gets the puck, gets the puck, fires it up to one of the forwards, the forward goes into the zone, you know, hits another forward, the other guy finds another guy with, with a pass or whatever, and he, he ends up in a goal. Um, just sort of the – you just get this great feeling of teamwork. I mean, that's that's the the best part about it. I mean – uh, when you play with bad players, like if you play with randoms, it's just it can be a really, really terrible experience because they're not used to where you go. You're not used to where they go. Some people won't pass the puck. Uh, they want to just carry it and, and dance by everybody themselves. You know, it's it's just a it can be just a complete slog. But when you're playing with a good team with people you know, I mean, it's sort of like in any game when you're playing with a good team with people you know and you're doing well, everything's great. I mean, so um, you know. So if you like hockey, it's you know it's the perfect it's the perfect experience. 
Okay, so actually this gets to what I'm wondering. Do people only like NHL games because they already like hockey? I would say I would say most of the people who play NHL already like hockey. Um, I'm not saying that you couldn't come to it from a non-hockey background. I mean, we do have you know a couple of people curious. that that you know that play that aren't weren't super big hockey fans before they started playing hockey games. Um, but for the most part, we're all pretty hardcore hockey nuts in real life too. So. Then let me let me suggest this to you. One thing they should do to get more people on board, like me, who aren't into hockey, uh, make it worth more points. Like when you not necessarily more goals necessarily, but when you score a goal, you should get six points, like you get when you score a goal in football. <laughs> I just want to float that out there. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll take that under advisement. I'm sure the the top people at, at EA Vancouver are, are listening intently and. They yeah, are. That's the next version. Not just EA. Don't stop the EA. The National Hockey Foundation should look into this. I suggest making it like pinball. In pinball, when you hit one of those crappy bumpers, it's just completely inconsequential. A thousand points. Yeah, exactly. I think you should get, you know, score a score. Bumper a, hockey. Yeah, score a score a, a net in hockey. A million points right there, and that that way they would make you know think of the coverage. It would sound so much more dramatic you when you're covering your hands. Hockey. You can pick the fuck up. I think you should be able to, yeah. Uh, all right, so that's like just rugby. my rugby. Like rugby, yeah, exactly. Uh, just open it up. Don't make it so strict, the rules. You know, Make it more exciting and less boring. That's that's my recommendation to the National Hockey Foundation. Uh, well, I feel like well, under advisement. Hockey's pretty, uh, hockey's pretty exciting. I'll give them that. Soccer's not as exciting. You know what? In hockey, actually, so here's a serious question. Uh, you know, in hockey, fights break out, uh, Rob. Is there some gameplay provision for that like is that something that can ever happen in a game of nhl 12 yes it, it can happen and if you happen to win the fight um you have an energy there's sort of like an energy bar you're joking now i uh, now i know you're no joking, no joking. I'm, no i'm completely not joking there's a fatigue bar for like your team i mean sort of you know so as you're playing through a period your guys get more tired um oh, yeah, sure everybody gets more tired but if, if there's a fight whoever wins the fight their team gets their their <laughs> Energy bar topped back off because they're fired up, yeah. Because they're fired up because your guy, you know, um, you know, your guy kicked their. their the yeah. <laughs> so, so wait, there's an actual sort of risk reward mechanic for starting a fight. Is that the idea? Yeah. Is it, I kind of want to play this game. Yeah, because I mean, in, in actual hockey, in actual hockey, if your team's getting their butt kicked, um, quite frequently, what what will happen is, you know. A guy, somebody, typically, you know, an enforcer or whatever, will, will go out, go out and try to find somebody and start something with somebody on the other team because, you know, the team's kind of being lethargic. But once the guy fights somebody, then everybody sort of, you know, the adrenaline level kicks up and everybody realizes, you know, okay, it's on, it's time to like actually play, and and sometimes that can turn. I've seen it turn games around, you know, in real life. Well, so, so another serious question: Why does that happen in hockey and not say basketball? I see. I, I don't. I don't know why they've allowed fighting in hockey. Like from the get go. That's a little weird. Yeah. It just. It just kind of. It's just kind of odd. It's just one of those things. I guess happened, and it's just always been part of the game. And and you know, if they got rid of it, I'd still be a big hockey fan. I don't watch for the fights, but um. But can I, 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 I help? Seeing a fight. Well, can I make a subject? Can I offer a theory? Is that it's allowed in hockey because everyone's wearing heavy armor? Like they're they're lightly armored in basketball. I think they have cloth armor. In hockey, they're wearing the equivalent of plate mail. So you know what? Punch each other. We don't care. You're you're fine. 
I think my, my favorite thing is, is in a, if, if you ever see like a, a scrum in football, mm-hmm. um, you know, the football players are even have even heavier, you know, equipment on than, and helmets, yeah. you know, helmets with like face cages on it. And it's just the funniest thing to see guys. And, you know, what are you going to do? Punch somebody? I mean, how are you going to punch them? <laughs> they've, got, they've got a cage yeah. on their face. So, uh, the next step is to arm them better. Exactly. Morning stars, <laughs> halberds, a scimitar here and there. And, and actually, that, that's a good point. And that, that's the other thing is, is in other sports, you're not carrying around a weapon. Ah. So, I mean, because, you know, somebody, you know, because if somebody slashes you with a stick, which that's going to hurt. And yeah, and they, and they go for places where they know there's no padding because not, you're not padded everywhere. I mean, so they'll find that, you know, three or four inches on your arm and like slash you there when the ref's not looking. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. So people get, you know, people get really fired up. And I'll tell you this, I played adult league. I mean, I'm not a great skater. I'm not a great player by any stretch of the, you know, any stretch. But I mean, uh, you know, when you get hit in the head with a, with a stick, you know, even if it's by accident, I mean, you know, you get really ticked off. <laughs> it is not, you know, I mean, or, or somebody, you know, trips, trips you or whatever. I mean, you know, you're not, you're not particularly happy about it. Um, you know, cause ice is hard. It, it, it hurts when you fall down. So, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, unlike a, a wooden, you know, a wooden floor has a little bit of give. Ice, there's there's no give. Mm. So, mm. Um, so you do get kind of you know, irritated. Yeah, and, um, playing football, man, you take a hit like that, you get really mad too. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I uh, I once threw an olive at a friend of mine, and it hit him on the eye. <laughs> and and I remember seeing, like, I, my immediate response was, oh, I'm sorry. Like, that was my sort of mental response. I remember seeing this, like, sort of wave of anger pass over his face where I thought my, my buddy's about to punch me <laughs> just because I, I innocently threw an olive. So I imagine, yeah, in, in sports that'll happen. Uh, Rob Funk, how many points of damage does a hockey stick do? Um, I would say on the standard D&D scale, maybe mm-hmm. you know, one to six. Very good. That's exactly what I was thinking. Jason John McMaster, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, depending on the quality of the stick. Right, you could get like some sticks might do a, like two to seven. Maybe. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you might even get like a D4 if you had like a crappy stick, but you could get like a great, like if you had like a 2D4 or like a D8 and a D4, you know. Yeah, uh, or carbon fiber, you know. It's like. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. Uh, Jason John McMaster, when the three of us play NHL 11, uh, I'm going to be the sniper. Uh, Rob, yes. you're going to be the playmaker. <laughs> Uh, Jason John McMaster, we need you to be the uh, net tender guy. Goalie, yeah. yeah I can just hang that. out back there. We got this. Uh, I can do that. All right. Also, uh, can you be the medic? Yes. Okay, good. You uh, can be the scout. Oh, I like that. I like that. Uh, Rob, thank you for talking sports with us. I normally know uh, F all about sports. That's certainly the case with NHL, but uh, thanks for Still explaining it to me. Uh, I've no, been told. No now I, I'm actually confused. I've been told this either about hockey games or soccer games. That as a guy who really likes real-time strategy games, I should try. I think it's the the soccer one. But probably I've, soccer. Okay. Yeah. And and is that a specific game or that's just soccer in general? Like as an RTS lover, I would appreciate a soccer video game or soccer video games. Or is it one specific video game? Do you think? I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that. You, well, I mean, there are um, there's soccer management games, um, and there's yeah, football, yeah, football, they, football manager. Football manager is like super popular. Yeah, it's yeah. because the thing is, it's sort of like you know, you're leveling up your you're leveling up your players and and putting them out there against different people and trading people and and the that whole thing like is all about. Bill Abner would do. Yeah, <laughs> most, most definitely. 
Um, <laughs> but that, I think that's sort of what people are probably suggesting you would be interested oh, okay. in. Oh, okay. Just because it's sort of like if you've played, uh, you know, like Game Dev Story or Grand Prix Story or any of those those types of games. It's uh, those you might you might like something like that that's you know based on a sport but only kind of loosely. Right. All right. So uh, I think that's the first time a sports game has been a game of the week. Is that true, Jason John Master? Do we know? I'm trying to think here. Was it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I can't remember another one. All right. So where do we go from here, Jason John McMaster? Uh, well, hey, I'll leave it up to you. Would you like to go or shall I? You're, you are terrible. I'm not going to delegate authority if you're not. You, you have to make a call, Jason John McMaster. All right, all right, all right. Get in there. You're, by the way, leadership skills, you did not level up. You're still level one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just I hate to quiet somebody's voice, you know. Um, uh, you know what? I'll go. Uh, hey, you know what? By the way, ding. Grats, your leadership skill just went to level two when you made that call. So, grats, Jason John McMaster. Well, thank you. Um, my game of the week uh, was released uh, earlier today. And Uh-oh. it was on GOG.com. My Uh-oh. game of the week is Darklands, old microprose game. Yeah, that's this. Go ahead. This this game is like uh four forty years old. I think this came out I think in sixty so. sixty seven. I think. Yeah, I believe so. Back <laughs> back in the day, uh, it's text um, only. It uses ASCII graphics. It doesn't even have that. Someone draws it uh, <laughs> while reading a disc. But someone uh, comes to your house and you have to set up a whiteboard for that person. No, it's um it's a microprose uh adventure kind of strategy kind of open world game. Uh, role-playing game from the early 90s based in Germany and uh, 15th century Germany mm. where you create a party and that party is then kind of just dropped into the game world and you do whatever you want really it's it's one of the first open world games I can think of now Jason John McMaster what how would folks know the name microprose let's say there's some kid listening to the podcast and he hears you mention microprose and he thinks oh you mean microsoft uh, uh what is this microprose you speak of microprose back in the day was the company i could have never imagined going away much like sierra online <laughs> <laughs> however and black isle however <laughs> All good things come to an end, and usually when you don't expect them. So, yes, Microprose went away quite some time ago, but they were behind a couple of, you know, a couple of little games here and there, like Master of Magic and Master of Orion 1 and 2. And Civilization. And Civilization, yeah. And early, yeah. early flight simulators. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Strike Rail- Eagle. Strike Eagle, yeah. F-170, yeah. Uh, uh, Railroad Tycoon. Yep. Uh, Pirates, pretty much, if it was XCOM, if it was good, it had microprose on it. Like those of yep. us who are into strategy games, uh, and even some folks who aren't necessarily anymore, like microprose was uh, the sort of seal of quality. Uh, those guys yeah. basically drove many of us into video game, into a life of video gaming. Uh, yeah, that's the honest to God truth, I believe. Like that, and possibly maybe like Dune 2 from Westwood. Is uh, two big games for me, and when it comes to PC gaming, I mean, you know, I love adventure games. I played Secret of Monkey Island is probably my favorite game, uh, just from a writing standpoint. But uh, yeah, just Microprose and Westwood 
Jason John McMaster, you, by the way, established your adventure gaming cred admirably. The moment that you mentioned in the same breath as Microprose, Sierra Online. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, uh, it's funny because I was never as big of a fan of Sierra as I was uh, the Lucas stuff. But there were a few Sierra games I really liked. I always liked uh, the Roger Wilco games and... um, uh, was it Adventure Quest or something like that? The one that had, that you would choose a different kind of character to play the game with? Uh, I don't know because I was busy playing XCOM. Micropose title. <laughs> XCOM is a good game. Uh, so tell us about this Darklands uh, good old games release. Darklands used to be one of those games that we would recall fondly, and there was no easy way to get a copy of it, much less get a copy running. So what's Correct. going on with this good old games release? What have they? What kind of wizardry have they done to where we can experience Darklands now? Well, I mean, the really cool thing about those guys is they use uh, several different uh, emulators to achieve... Uh, the effect of you know running these games in current software uh, or in current current operating systems. Um, the one they're using for Darklands is DOSBox, um, and just the great thing about good old games is that beforehand I would have had to have found my discs. Oh God. Uh, even possible, and then find a three and a half drive, which I honestly got do have my discs uh, around here. Um, but, but you're not done. Uh, you still got other stuff to do, right? Like, what else do you got to do? You have to download DOSBox, figure DOSBox, all that jazz. So, as it is with good old games, you can pay like five ninety nine, and um, it's. You know, it comes in an installer package. You don't have to install, like, updates or expansions. Uh, like, for instance, Baldur's Gate 2 is $10 on the site, and it install, installs it plus all the expansions and just one quick thing. Um, and it's already configured, so I don't know. It's a pretty cool site. The um, the great thing about Darklands is, uh, you know, there's a lot of games that I'm not – I have a hard time with graphics. Uh, I'm kind of a graphics snob, I think, in a way. I, I just I have a hard time playing older games. Um, but a game like Darklands, or another great example to me is like something like Fallout, uh, or even Baldur's Gate. Just the the drawn backgrounds and the way they're done, uh, or you know, just the different pixelated backgrounds. Uh, they they work out really well, um, and they. The game still plays well, um, but Darklands, uh, yeah, it's an adventure game, just kind of like sets you loose to do whatever you want and uh, become famous. And uh, I made a great party uh, consisting of me and Tom and Troy. Sweet. And what what role am I, by the way? Please don't I tell made, me I'm the medic. No, you're a monk. Oh, I like that. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I, I made your religion score really high too, so that sweet, be more realistic. <laughs> now I did make your nickname Frenchy, so I hope you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been beret, but I don't know. Um, uh, I made Troy Frodo Goodfellow, so I've got him going for us, and then I've got uh, Bill Black Mamba Abner. So <laughs> now, describe for us when you start up a game of Darklands, you roll up a party. We all know how that goes. Then yeah. what happens? So you are moving around on the overworld map, you're doing oh, yeah. turn-based combat, and you're collecting magic items and crafting stuff, right? 
Uh, sort of. No, no not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, you know, the crazy thing about Darklands is like just making the party is entertaining uh, because the character creation system was like you you chose you chose your type of birth. And you had a certain amount of points to put into your skill or your uh, attributes. And then from that point, you choose your first profession. And then you can keep choosing professions. But every time you choose one, it adds ah. onto your character's life. Um, so uh, I usually do like maybe one or two. Uh, I don't go too far. It depends on, you know, if you want your character to be 70 or 80. But, um, well, that's probably not very likely in 15th century Germany now that I think about it. <laughs> um, but uh, once you've created your characters, you start off in a bar, and there's a bunch of different options, uh, and you're given no direction. You just kind of uh, – you, you go through like this like choose-your-own-adventure uh, most of like the encounters in cities are like choose your own adventure kind of stuff. The uh, actual combat encounters are like overworld, like real time, plausible, Baldur's Gatesy kind of um, assign attack, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing uh, affair. But um, yeah, the the actual cities are like choose your own adventure areas, and then uh, yeah, you just kind of wander the countryside and seek out fame and fortune and happen across random encounters. Uh, can you beat the game? Is there an end to it? Or a success or fail state? You can go into Legend or something, can't you? It's been a long time since I've played this eventually. I don't uh, think you really beat it, do you? <laughs> uh, does it remind you at all of Pirates? When you describe it, I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of like playing Pirates. Yeah, it does remind me of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. In a way of Pirates, yeah, the wandering freely and happening upon things, yeah. Uh, Rob, you mentioned a game earlier on the podcast f- that was recently released for the uh, the iPhone uh, that I think is a sort of a latter day version of Darklands. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, are you talking about King of Dragon Pass? Exactly. Uh, okay. So, uh, Rob, have you played Darklands? I have not played Darklands. It's one of the it's one of those gaps in my gaming history. It's one of those games that I keep hearing about that's very important, but I've just never ran across it when it, during that time. I, I haven't played King of Dragon Pass, so I guess well, I think I'm fine. Having played both of them, the, the difference is partly that King of Dragon Pass is more of the static, uh, I'm the ruler of this band of people experience. It's the same kind of thing, largely text-based, open-ended. Uh, King of Dragon Pass, you are, it's more like the city builder, castle ruler perspective, whereas Darklands is more the itinerant adventurer perspective. Yeah, exactly. But they both offer very similar kinds of free-form experiences that appeal to your imagination with text and with drawings. Uh, right. And, uh, I, I, man, I, I wish I, – I love that we can play Darklands now on, yes. on a PC, thanks to good old games. Uh, but, Jason John McMaster, can you talk them into doing a version for the iPhone? Oh, man, that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and another thing I really like about the good old game stuff is when you buy it, it usually includes stuff like the soundtrack and mm. a PDF of the original manual and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I had to read like a good bit of the Darklands manual today uh, when I was uh, messing around with it because, uh, man, it's been a while. Uh, Jason John McMaster, have you burned to your iPod uh, the Darklands soundtrack so you can listen to it while you're jogging? 
Not yet. No. Uh, that sweet, <laughs> sweet MIDI sensation. <laughs> they, uh, might I also add that there are many other microprose games on there. I actually just recently got Master of Magic and Master of Orion 1 and 2. Master of Magic is, uh, is really fascinating to play. I don't think it, it kind of falls apart, but let me tell you, Master of Orion 2, holy cats, that game is every bit as good as it was back when it came out. That, well, Master of Orion 2 is one of the most genius games. Yeah. Uh, it really is. I mean, that's a game that you don't need super great graphics for. Uh, it just, it, it's, it just stands on its own. It's like Pirates. You know, I, I played my old copy of Pirates for many, many years. Well, when you yeah, think I w- of it, I mean, go ahead, Rob. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say with the the Master of Orion, I actually preferred the first Master of Orion. Oh, you're one of those weirdos. Ugh. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't know. I, I, now, the thing is, is and I'm not gonna be able to explain because I can't remember. <laughs> I cannot remember both of them well enough to differentiate them. I just remember that I liked. I, I do remember I liked the simplicity of the first one better. The second one got just too. It got too complex. Not too complex, but it was just a lot more complex, and so that's. We used to play that game Hot Seat all the time, uh, me and my friends, and uh, yeah, it started like you know the first like I don't know a little bit of the game. Everybody's like taking their turn, and then hey, okay, it's your turn every couple of minutes, and then it starts getting to like depending on like I guess the level of like how anal you are about everything you do in a strategy game it started to get to like ludicrous levels and then all of my friends start getting like all crazy about it and then they started like playing under a sheet like so like throwing a sheet over the computer and over the chair so people can't see their moves if they're like peeking around and it's uh it just got out of control one of my friends fiance's uh, well fiance at the time said uh said, uh, are you guys over there playing sheets again? And uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, what the hell is sheets? And she was like that. And I was like, oh, God, yeah, we have to stop doing that. But, yeah, that and the Master of Orion 2 and uh, Machiavelli the Prince were both games of sheets. Oh, Machiavelli the Prince. Uh, when can we play that? When can we get that on good old games? God, I want that game. That game is so awesome, man. When you, just the whole, like, the hot seat was fantastic in that game. Oh, Sometimes, I have to say, it's at times like this, Jason John McMaster, I am so glad to be over 40. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I'm not, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, Darklands, Blast from the Past. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, I've actually, Troy Goodfellow has been needling me about it. He was like, you know what? Darklands guy, I had no idea until he emailed me uh, that this that good old games was doing this. But uh, that's yeah. awesome that those guys have done that. All right, and Jason John McMaster, how much is it on? Uh, you said five ninety nine. Yeah, five. That's, that's ridiculous. I'm not paying that. I'm not paying. That's penny, too much. I'm not paying a penny less than ten dollars for Darklands. Yeah. I just think that's an outrage. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. You get the entire Baldur's Gate two for ten dollars, or Iceland Dale two as well. I mean, both both expansions. Yeah, so why are they why are they devaluing Darklands like that? It's just oh, that it's 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 just a shameful thing. You know, another thing, another game that people just absolutely love that's on uh, good old games is a uh, Planescape Torment, and it's like maybe five six bucks. I think. That's uh, that's unconscionable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my game of the week, Rob. You've been playing this, and I want to know. A couple of things about it. Uh, it's not my game of the week because I love it. It's my game of the week because I've been playing it a lot. Uh, because I dragged my steering wheel out into the living room to play it. 
uh, because my house is uh, the UN has declared my house a connect free zone. Oh, I don't have a connect, but I want to know how Forza Four handles with a connect. Rob, I noticed I, I took the liberty of looking you up online on uh, myforza.net. I see that. Uh, hmm. I see you're only level five. No, oh, that's cute. Yes. Uh, I also see in your total career, you have only achieved two perfect turns and two perfect passes. I, yeah. You know, Rubbin is racing, you know. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do you... bro- broke up my wheel for this as well. Um, okay. And I actually bought a Connect to use just for the head tracking for Forza 4. That's what I want so, to know about. Yes. Yeah, so tell oh, me. Oh, yeah. How does because... that feel? It's, it actually works amazingly well. I mean, okay, that's I was, not I was, what I'm wanting to hear. I don't. I don't yeah. need to hear this. Okay, then then it it, it works terrible. It doesn't work <laughs> at all. You think it's you know you you turn your head, nothing happens. Um, Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's exactly good. Now now pretend. Okay, good. So I'm going to just file that away as the real truth. It's the real what, truth. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the fake truth? How does it work in Rob Funk's living room? It's uh, it works it works a lot better than I expected. I mean, once you get it set up, and you know, once you get it set up, you can look. It's a very subtle effect, but you could look into turns as you know as you're going around a turn. And sometimes I don't even realize I'm doing it, but it's just it's so organic. The, the experience is so organic, you know, that um, like you almost don't even notice. I mean, you're like, wow, cool. You know, when you look over to the other side of the car. You know, it's very obvious. But when you're looking into a turn and just, you know, turns the camera just enough, you know, that, you know, it's very natural. It's like you're actually driving. So um, I, I really I really think they did a good job with that. As, as for the rest of the Kinect stuff, um, it seems rather pointless like most most Kinect stuff. But it's, you know, but the head tracking, I highly recommend. OK, well, let me ask you this. Uh, my girlfriend, Need for Speed Shift 2. Uh, has head tracking in a fake way in that if you, uh, if you turn it on, it will guess which way you want your head to turn into turns. Like when you have a really sharp hairpin right, then it moves the camera to the right. It's assuming you want to look over there. And right. it throws me off every time because I'm used to playing on a video game, a driving game, where the center point of the screen is the center point of where my car is headed. And that's kind of how I track where I'm going. So as much as I love, love, love Need for Speed Shift 2, I've never been able to keep that, that head tracking feature turned on because it just throws me off. Is there a similar problem when you're using the head tracking on Connect in Forza 4? Does it make uh, it a little harder to, to, to control your car? No, I mean, not to, to this point, I, I would say no. But then again, as you've seen, I've only done two perfect turns <laughs> and two perfect passes. <laughs> but I, I, would, I would chalk that up to all, having only played the game a, a little bit and getting used to the wheel again. Um, but, yeah, it feels very, very – I mean, I know the, the type of uh, – uh, you know, effect that you're talking about with uh, Need for Speed Shift. Um, I mean, not that I've, I've played Shift a little bit, but but I mean, I've seen this in other games as well, where it it, it does the automatic turn in, and it's just it's maddening because it's not what you're it's not what you're expecting because you're not you know you're not controlling it. So right. Um, so with this, since you're already starting to look that way anyway, you know, I mean, it's just it, like I said, it's very organic. It, it just sort of happens as opposed to, as opposed to, you know, jumping around or, or, you know, trying to figure out what you want. It just sort of knows what you want because of where you're looking. 
Right. So with Shift, I mean, with a Connect, though, you uh, don't have to do the silly thing where you're sitting on the couch holding your hands up in front of you, pretending you're gripping a steering wheel? No, you do not. Have um, you done that, though? I have not. Uh, there's there's a mode where you can do that, I but I've not even messed with it yet. Like I said, I've, I've only played the game, you know, an hour or two, maybe. Um, uh, just to, I just got it yesterday, threw it in, messed around with it a bit. And then, then of course, a bunch of my friends got on and we, we, we started playing NHL. So that's <laughs> kind of the problem with, with all these games is I've got this persistent multiplayer thing that's always kind of lurking in the, in the background, you know. It's so, like playing an MMO. I understand. It, it is. It's basically, it's, it's like a hockey MMO. So, yep. um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, highly, I do highly recommend the, the head tracking with the Kinect. Um, but yeah, the rest of it, I, I don't know anything about. It. I mean, I messed around with the Auto Vista stuff a bit and it was, seemed a bit twitchy and, and I don't have a really huge space where I've got my TV and, and Xbox set up. So. Um, now why don't you explain to, to folks what is Auto Vista? Um, that, that's the, the mode where you can go and look at cars and sort of quote unquote walk around them and, and look at the various features on them. By moving the joystick around, right? Well, I mean, you can do it with Connect too. You can do it just by leaning, and and you know, you can do it by leaning and just moving the hand thing over, over various points of interest on the car, and then they'll. Uh, and what they, does this let me do that I can't do with a joystick? Um, nothing. So exactly. um, <laughs> basically, I mean, it's it's sort of you know, I think in a lot of these situations they they uh, try to shoehorn this functionality in. You know, like with the Wii, they try to shoehorn that that the motion functionality in with that as well. Now, the one thing that is in Forza that, with the Connect that's really neat is the voice commands. The voice commands work really well in terms of being able to navigate around the, uh, you know, around the functions very quickly. So, like, I was in career and I was just testing this out, and, I, you know, I said Xbox, and it pops up the, the menu, and I just said free play, and it just took me right to free play as opposed to having to, navigate through the menu so that's actually a there's a real time savings there as long a minute. As you, hold on hold on rob hold on i appreciate what you're trying to do why why is it how much time is being saved by saying out loud xbox pause pause free jump play. on my butt <laughs> how much time did i, I have I, to waste I, pressing I, the buttons well, I think you can actually just say Xbox free play. I mean, you know, you might be able to say it that quickly if you knew <laughs> if you knew what it was. I mean, you, you know, know what? what? I, I'm challenging you to a race, Rob, where we're going to go to the main menu. We're going to see how long it takes me to get to free play using buttons, and how long it takes you using well, Connect. And it depends on where it depends on where you are in the menu structure too. But um, right, I, I might have to I might have to hit B to back up one menu level. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just giving you a hard time. I mean, I, I, I know that's one of the reasons or one of the, the selling points for Connect is they want to make menu navigation idiot proof. But uh, I, again, I feel like it's solving a problem that doesn't really exist. Uh, yeah, I mean, if the, the motion part of it is the motion part of it is not really, you know, it's, it's not terribly useful. But the voice commands are some, at least semi useful. Right. So, are there voice commands during racing? Can I, for instance, say rear view? Um, I do not know. I have not tried that. That would be kind of interesting. I'm not sure I, I would like that, but or, or try rewind. to get back to the front. Well, yeah, rewind would be good because I, I tend to do that a lot after I've you know crashed into yet another well, car. 
<laughs> well, and I don't I don't know how you what wheel you're using, but on my wheel it's not that easy. There's the paddle buttons, uh, and then I have a little shift controller, but it's not that easy. Like I don't tend to have my fingers on buttons, and I certainly don't have spare buttons I can use. So it can be a bit of a hassle to like if I want to do a look behind uh, feature or using a handbrake, for instance. I have found there's no game that requires a handbrake, and handbrakes aren't that useful in Forza, but various other driving games where you're skidding around dirt, for instance, where you might want to use your handbrake, there's no easy way to do that with a, a wheel that doesn't let me slave the handbrake, for instance, to one of the paddles controls. Right. Um, so yeah, so maybe, just... maybe on Connect, if I could say handbrake. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, considering the, the lag in the, the command, I <laughs> might not work so well. Yeah. Uh, and then you also, how long do you want to hold the handbrake down? Handbrake, handbrake off. Exactly. <laughs> it would work really well. Uh, all right, so uh, so you, you feel – I hate hearing that about the head tracking because maybe for the first time – is this the first time? I guess, yeah, that's the first time I've thought, mm, I kind of wish I had a connect. And that's exactly what I. That's exactly what I thought when I heard about the head tracking with Connect. I'm like, hey, that's actually useful. I might get one for that, and that's exactly what I did. I I got a deal on a on an Xbox. No, I don't want to play I, yeah. until I know more about what they're doing. Yeah, I, I I have no desire to stomp around in some little casual mech game. Yeah. Yeah, but the uh, but yeah, so I got a I got an Xbox and a Connect for like two hundred dollars total, which is you know what fifty bucks more than a Connect itself. So I've got a spare Xbox floating around. Yeah, and you're trying to tell us there's no government conspiracy stuff. Please, we know that that's part of what's going on. I got a couple of Xboxes. Who doesn't? <laughs> I think you almost uh, have to. Well, well, if you're in game reviews, you have to, or you used to have to at least. So McMaster, you uh, messaged me while I was playing Forza, and you were—you said something to the effect of, uh, "Boy, I sometimes want to get a car game." I, I mean, you, it was sort of a waffly thing about, mm, "Should I play Forza? Should I not?" Why aren't you, Jason John McMaster, lifelong Xbox supporter? Why aren't you playing Forza Four? I don't really play many racing games unless they're burnout and have a crash mode. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that narrows that, that narrows it down. You, I don't think, would be into Forza Four. No, you know, I enjoy them. Like I like racing games, and, and they're fun, but they're just kind of a passing thing for me. I, I know I'll never spend a lot of time with them. Um, I've enjoyed the ones I played, and I just, yeah, there's no way. One of the things about racing games, a good racing game, uh, never ends. Like it's like a good strategy game in that no matter how much time I have put, my current racing game of choice is Need for Speed Shift 2, no matter how much time I've put into it, I can always go back and play it and use my favorite cars to beat my time on tracks, uh, even if I were to theoretically exhaust the campaign mode, which I, there's no sign of me doing that anytime soon. Uh, a, a good racing game is something you can always go back and play to try to beat a score, like a pinball game, Jason John McMahon. Oh, you, oh that's you true. Yeah. There, you set a score, and you keep playing it for the experience of getting better and because you're enjoying the experience, and maybe you beat your score. It's the same with a racing game. Uh, maybe you've played all the campaign modes. Maybe you've set good times on all the tracks. You can always go back and try to do better, and you can do it with different cars. You can tune the cars. A good racing game will have uh, great multiplayer support where you can play against people online. Uh, and that's one of the things I love about games like Shift 2 and, and Forza 4. Um, now, that said, uh, having played a lot of Forza 4 this week, uh, 
it, it turned out I, I reached a point where I felt like, okay, I've, I've seen all I need to see of this. This is not the racing game of choice for, for me. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I feel Forza 4 fails to do is present any kind of meaningful challenge or progression. Uh, I wrote a little bit about this on, on uh, the front page of Quarter to Three today, but it uh, I tried to make it difficult. I tried to make it where there's this rewarding sense of getting better and beating the other cars and, and having to earn money in the campaign mode, and Forza 4 is not interested in, in presenting that kind of experience. Forza 4 is much more about... Uh, here's a bunch of stuff for you to play with. We're not going to frustrate you. Like the rewind mode that, that you were talking about, Rob. You can yeah. at any time in Forza 4 call take backs. If you try to do a risky thing on a turn and it doesn't work out, just rewind. You're fine. Yeah. Like yeah. There's, uh, and, and that's that's the kind of driving game they want to present. And they do a good enough job, I suppose. But it, it's not for me. It's not what I look for in a driving game. Um, now, now you can turn you can turn that off if you, oh, yes. go, if you you know you can turn that off if you want a, a more more of a challenge and and uh, and and it does become I mean the thing that drove me during Forza Three was was looking at the leaderboards after I was done to see whose lap times I'd I'd beaten yep. whose clean lap times I'd beaten and, huh. and I mean you know I just remember one time on the Le Mans track uh, Cirque de Sar- Sartre I think it's called um, uh, Cirque de Sar- yeah yeah I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a it's a famous track. It's in a lot of different games. I remember there was a fantastic mode for it in a uh, in Grid. Um, Grid had a fantastic yeah. uh, version of it. But I was racing it in Forza, and on like the se- third to last turn of my second lap, which was a completely clean lap to this point. And if you know that track, it's really hard to run a completely clean lap. I think mm-hmm. my back right tire ran about six inches onto the grass and flipped it from a from a you know. <laughs> clean lap to a dirty lap and I finished and I had beaten and I had looked at the times and I looked at the top time of, of my friends and I think it was like I think it was Union Carbide, you know, or whatever. And it's like I had beaten him and if I my tire had not run off that damn you know, run off onto the grass on that on that turn, I would have beaten his time. And I was just like I just remember it irritating me to no end. But um but it's it was of- great when I actually beat that, you know. But you didn't beat it because it toggled your time down it, it to the, my, the dirty yeah. lap. Uh, you know what? That's one of the things I I kind of respect that they do that. And there is that uh, if, if you care enough about the leaderboards, there is that sort of level of challenge is drive a lap without going off the road, hitting another car, which, by the way, uh, the incentive there is to just turn off the actual race mode and just drive laps for, for time, which is fine. Right. Um, but uh, it, it's such a weird punishing mechanic like, if you care about that, then I have to wonder, why aren't you playing Shift 2? Which has, you know, EA's been doing this, they give it even a trademark name, Autolog. You, you know, every good driving game is doing this kind of thing now, where you're comparing scores and times with your friends list. Uh, I feel like uh, Shift 2 does that kind of thing so much better by giving you different ways to compare yourself to your friends, whether it's just a lap time, whether it's a campaign score, whether it's these objectives that are kind of like, like badges that you're trying to earn. There's so many ways to compare and compete with your friends, including like there's a whole rivals mode in Forza 4. You know, they've got stuff like that in Shift 2. Shift 2 uh, was doing this back in, what, March? Uh, In Forza 3, 
I think it's trying to do something similar, but I feel it's done so much better with so many different ways to compete against your friends and, and weigh your performance against your friends than Forza 4 is doing. And more importantly to me, and, and Rob, have you played, I, I think you said, have you, have you just fiddled with the shift games? I've just, yeah, I've just, I mean, I think I may have played one or, one or two of the demos. Uh, I was, I was kind of put off by some of the handling. I mean, yeah, I read yeah. some of the threads and how. You could you could tweak different things, but I was like, eh, it's like it just didn't feel like. You know, it's a demanding game, and that's a fair enough thing because Forza is really uh, like like the handling, even with all the assists turned off, is fairly. I don't know, I don't I don't want to use terms like realistic, but it's certainly more accessible and generous. I feel it's less punishing yeah. than Shift Two. Uh, I was, was going to say that driving the BMW 2002 around that uh, Swedish track with no uh, no assists on is not. Uh, that's, that's certainly not forgiving. <laughs> that, uh, that was that was no fun whatsoever. Do you mean in, in Shift or in Forza? No, no, in Forza. I'm, it was it was this thing was if you gave it any if you gave it any extra power, it would just the back end would be out. It was just it was out all over the place. Right. Um, which led me to like say, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. I'm not driving that car. I'm going to drive something else. <laughs> well, that's why when I go online to try to do races, everybody online is using these like I forget what the ranking is. It goes A B C D E uh, maybe F, R- uh, and then uh, the top ranking is S, and above that is R one two three. R- yeah, right. All these people online are playing with these super advanced cars, which to me those things are just far less interesting and dynamic. Oh, yeah. In the lower ranks, and I, I hate that. You know, I just want to f- yeah. quick match, find some people to play with, and they're using these generic supercars that are just dull as dishwater to me. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, I mean, the best fun I've had with a Forza game, I think, was in Forza 3 when, or maybe 2, when we just had a bunch of people from quarter to 3 just kind of, you know, running some races, and somebody would say, well, anybody want to do, should we do D-class this time, or should we do C-class, or should we do whatever, and everybody would just sort of have a car, you know, we'd sort of tell everybody in the thread ahead of time, okay, tune up a, you know, tune up a, you know, cars to these levels, and we're going to run these kind of types of races, and we'd run more, you know, I mean, sometimes we'd run R3 races or R2 or whatever, but sometimes we'd run, you know, C-class or D-class yep. or yep. whatever, so. I um, think there's a lot more sort of flexibility for cars' different personalities to come out in those those lower rankings. Uh, yeah, definitely. How do you feel about how Forza 4 looks? I think it looks fantastic um, to this point, um, you know, from from the from what I've seen. Now, then again, on I've also seen a lot of these tracks before, but um, I think it. I mean, it looks better to me than Forza Three. Yes. Um, uh, so I think they did a really good job, and the frame rate is just dead solid. You it know, really is, isn't it? Yeah. it may, I mean, it, technically, I mean, technically, they've really, really done a good job. Uh, I agree with the, the frame rate bit. Uh, I agree that it looks better than Forza 3. I also feel like it handles better than Forza 3. I feel like it's more viable, and I don't know why this is, and maybe I'm just misremembering, but it feels more viable to me to play from the cockpit view in Forza yeah. 4 than it did in Forza 3. And I don't know what they did. I don't know if it's just some weird little subconscious trick I'm playing, but I have not once, I, I, I once moved out of the cockpit view and I was like, I don't, I don't need this. I went right back into the cockpit view and, you know, I've played several hours of Forza 4 and I, I have never once felt like I was being penalized for being in the cockpit view. I really like right. whatever they did, if anything. Uh, well, I mean, that. The- yeah, yeah, yeah. I think well, one thing is they definitely they tweaked the physics. I know they they did a whole new like tire physics model or something, so that might have something to do with it. Um, and I'll tell you this, and you're not going to want to hear this, but obviously having the head tracking working makes that just even that much better. 
Sorry, I can't hear you. Could you? I, I didn't catch that. Net <laughs> uh, tracking's awful. It doesn't work. It's, it's thank you. Yes, I did catch that. Good. I, I heard you. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, I, I do feel though that uh, it's still to me, and I I popped in Shift Two last night just to be sure. Force of Four just looks just in a weird way, just kind of flat and sterile, and uh, just compared to whatever Shift Two does. You know, it adds that sort of over-the-top EA dramatic stuff, like just the graphics and the just. There's something about the atmosphere and the lighting and the detail on the side of the tracks. Like for instance, I jumped into a game of uh, of Shift Two last night. Just was going to do a few laps, see how it felt after playing so much Forza Four, and I was driving around one of the tracks, and I was noticing the crowd. Pushed up against the side of one of the tracks, there were people waving flags, big old flags moving around. Uh, and I don't think there's anything quite like that in Forza 4, where you get a sense that there are crowds of people pressed up against barricades watching you race. Yeah, uh, I mean, the te- the one game that did that I thought really well was Project Gotham Racing. Oh yeah. Um, they, yeah. they did that. They did that really well. I remember the, the first Project Gotham. I, I love what I loved about that game was is we'd come up with our own multiplayer modes like did you ever play cat and mouse yes <laughs> that was a that was a blast you'd basically take an enzo and a mini and you know you'd color code you'd color code by team and this is totally not in the game obviously and you yeah. just race a lap of the nurburgring with you know it basically no holds basically whoever's mini crossed the line first won so <laughs> So what you would do is you nice. would, you know you'd be running in or you'd be pushing the mini down you know down the road there you know you'd be you'd be trying to knock the mini off off the road and the other person's mini off the road and it would be you know it'd be it'd be hysterical I mean you just laugh the whole way around the track I mean it almost didn't matter whether you won or lost because it was just so much fun. But. You know, I miss, I so miss Bizarre Creations. Those guys really knew what they were doing. Like, whether you're, you're talking about the club or Project Gotham, even if you didn't like the games, the fact that they could take shootering and just drivering and mm-hmm. create these really cool gameplay modes and challenges and flexibility, uh, those guys did such great work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's definitely. All right, so uh, my game of the week, even though I'm not hugely fond of it, and uh, on the whole I'd rather be in Shift 2, is Forza 4. Uh, I, uh, so you're level five, Rob, Jason, John McMaster, you're level zero in Forza. Yeah, that's true. Ask me what level I am. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, what level are you, Tom? 22, 22, I think. Yeah, 22. (laughs) But I'm done with it. So, uh, I think I'm done playing Forza 4. So if you want to beat my level, uh, all you got to do is get to 23 and, and you're set. All I have to do really is flip on pinball. <laughs> I didn't hear you. What's that? I didn't catch that. <laughs> Having some technical issues here. Don't know uh, all right, Jason, John McMaster, what are we going to bring folks on next week's quarter to three uh, games podcast? Well, we're going to bring them news, forum posts, and games of the week. And if you were listening and you want to join us, we want you to join us. So drop me an email at tomchick at quarter to three dot com. Uh, sign up to be a guest with us. Uh, we would love to have you. Uh, Rob Funk, aka Xerox, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm so glad that you have reinforced my desire to not get a connect by telling me that the head tracking does not work wonderfully with Forza 4. Awful. 
You're you're well you're very welcome, Tom. <laughs> uh, I am Tom Chick. This has been uh, Jason John McMaster, Rob Funk. We thank you for joining us, and we will uh, see you here next week. Mazel tov. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>